اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم انشاءاللہ we'll begin from ayah number 159 ان الذین یکتمون indeed those people who conceal یکتمون is from kaf tamim katama from kitman and kitman is to hide something to conceal something imagine something is exposed you put a cover on it you put a sheet on it so it's concealed it's hidden Something is written and you put white out on it. So whatever was written is now hidden. It is concealed. Something was outside and you put it in a box and you close the box. Something was written in a book and you close the book and you put it away. So this is what? Concealing. Hiding. So those people who conceal, they hide. What do they hide? مَا أَنزَلْنَا مِنَ الْبَيِّنَاتِ مَا أَنزَلْنَا That which we have sent down, meaning that which Allah has revealed. That which Allah has sent down. What is it that Allah has revealed? مِنَ الْبَيِّنَاتِ وَالْهُدَى Of the bayinat, the clear signs, the clear evidences, and al-huda, meaning the guidance. Bayinat is a plural of bayinah, from bayanun. And bayinah is used for a clear evidence, a clear sign. And over here, bayinat refers to the clear signs, the clear evidences that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed that prove, for example, His existence, that prove His knowledge, His power, His sifat, His characteristics. And there are many signs that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed, for example, in the Qur'an. Can you think about an ayah that is a proof of the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That is a proof of the power of Allah? Okay, ayatul kursi. Good, because we learn about the oneness of Allah, the greatness of Allah, the power of Allah. And inshallah today also we will learn about some ayat which show to us about the rahmah, the power, the hikmah of Allah. There are many verses in the Qur'an in which Allah asks us, have they not seen? Have you not reflected? In Surah Al-Mulk, you will learn that a lot. Awalam yaraw, awalam yaraw, have they not seen such and such? So all of these signs are what? Ayat bayinat. Clear evidences, clear proofs, which prove the existence, the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And likewise, bayinat also include the clear evidences that support everything that Allah has revealed, that Allah has sent. For example, the evidences of the truthfulness of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa So, what do they hide? They conceal what Allah has revealed of the clear evidences. And secondly, they also hide walhuda. Huda, as you know, is guidance. And if you remember, I mentioned to you once before that guidance is of two types. One is of ilm and the other is of amal. One is of irshad and the other is of tawfiq. Guidance, first of all, is when Allah guides a person as to what he should do. Meaning, he gives him the knowledge. Okay, this is what you're supposed to do. But many people know what they're supposed to do. Are they actually able to do it? No. So, Allah gives them huda, which one? Tawfiq, amal, the ability to do it. The ability to act on what they know. Over here, what does huda mean? Huda refers to the first kind of guidance, meaning of ilm, of knowledge, direction. So Allah has revealed knowledge. Allah has informed people what they're supposed to do, what they're not supposed to do, what is in their best interest, what is it that will bring them reward. Allah has informed the people, He has revealed all of that. 
But some people, what do they do? They hide the evidences and they hide the knowledge that Allah has revealed. And Allah has revealed it for the guidance of all people. But what do they do? They conceal it, these people. مِن بَعْدِ after مَا بَيَّنَّاهُ لِلنَّاسِ مَا بَيَّنَّاهُ That we have made it clear to who? لِلنَّاسِ To all people. بَيَّنَّا from the same root. بَيَّنُونَ When Allah has revealed something, then it is for the guidance of who? All of mankind. لِلنَّاسِ The Qur'an, remember, it is not just for those people who believe in it. Qur'an is not just for those people who believe in the Qur'an. It is guidance for all of mankind. This is why we see that in the Qur'an who is addressed? Ya Bani Israel. It's not only Ya Ayyuhalladina Amanu. All types of people are addressed in the Qur'an. Because it is supposed to be for all people. But there are some people who accept it and there are others who don't accept it. But Allah has offered guidance to everyone. And Allah Himself has taken responsibility to preserve this Qur'an so that those who don't know, come to know. Those who come later, find out what Allah has revealed. So there are some people who conceal this guidance, who conceal the book of Allah. And Allah has made it clear where? Fil kitab, in the book. The book that Allah has revealed, He has made clear in it the ways of guidance. He has made clear in it the clear evidences, but there are some people who conceal them. Now which book is this? Kitab over here, it doesn't only refer to the Qur'an. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not only revealed the Qur'an. Instead, Allah has revealed many other books. Before the Qur'an, there are many books. Some we know of and others we have no idea about. But the fact is that Allah sent guidance for people in the form of books. So no matter which book it is, if the people concealed it, any part of it, any guidance, any instruction, any evidence that was mentioned in it, then such people are being described in this verse. So let's look at it from the beginning. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَكْتُمُونَ مَا أَنزَلْنَا مِنَ الْبَيِّنَاتِ وَالْهُدَى مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا بَيَّنَّاهُ لِلنَّاسِ فِي الْكِتَابِ what is the fate of such people? Allah says, Ulaika يَلْعَنُهُمُ اللَّهِ Such people, Allah curses them. يَلْعَنُهُمْ لَامْ عَيْنُونَ لَعْنَةً What does لَعْنَةً mean? We translate it as curse. And لَعْنَةً is basically الطرد, meaning to abandon, to leave something. When a person is cursed, when a person has la'na, it means that they are far away from Allah. Far away from the mercy of Allah, from the protection of Allah, from the help of Allah. Think about it. As human beings, we need the help of Allah. We need the protection of Allah. If Allah were to abandon us, even for a minute, even for a moment, then what would become of us? Shaitan is our enemy. Imagine what he would do to us. Immediately, he would attack us and lead us astray and harm us. Likewise, in this dunya, we are so vulnerable. There are so many things that could go wrong, even in our own bodies. Suppose our heart just stops pumping. What would happen? That's it, we're done. So there are so many things that Allah causes to happen by His mercy. When He is merciful to people, then we can survive. Then we can live. Then we can be successful. Only then we are safe. 
And if Allah takes His mercy away from us, then what are we? We are nothing. We are nothing. So those people who conceal the knowledge that Allah has revealed, what does Allah say? That Allah has cursed them. أُولَٰئِكَ يَلْعَنُهُمُ اللَّهِ Allah has removed them far away from His mercy. And it's not just that Allah curses them, but وَيَلْعَنُهُمُ اللَّعِنُونَ And those who curse also curse such people. اللَّعِنُونَ is the plural of لَعِن And لَعِن is the one who does لَعْنَة لَعْنُونَ Same root. Those who curse, curse them. What does it mean by this, those who curse? Meaning, those who know who deserves to be cursed. Who are they? The angels. The angels. The righteous people. The creation of Allah that is obedient to Allah. They know who deserves the curse of Allah and who doesn't deserve the curse of Allah. So in other words, those who commit this crime, they get the curse of Allah And they are cursed by the creation of Allah as well. By the loyal creation of Allah as well. Why do you think so? Why is it that Allah dislikes such people, Allah hates such people, and His creation also hates such people? Why? Because concealing knowledge is actually a very huge crime. Concealing ilm, Evidences is a very, very major crime. Has it ever happened with you that somebody has concealed a very important fact from you? They have not told you about it and because of that you have suffered? Has it ever happened to you? It could be something small as well. Somebody didn't tell you about something, you had no idea about it and you ended up doing it and you know what happened? You suffered at the end. Don't you hate such a person? You knew and you didn't tell me? You knew I was going to suffer and you didn't tell me? Now think about it. If a person is not informed about Allah, the knowledge of the deen is concealed from him. He's not told about the day of judgment. And he has no idea about it. And he suffers. Then whose fault is it? The person who concealed knowledge. Then he's a huge criminal. It happens sometimes that, for example, a child is adopted and he's never told that he's adopted or that his actual parents are somebody else. He has no idea and then eventually someday he finds out and he hates his step-parents. He hates the people who deceived him, who didn't tell him. Even though they love him, they cared for him, they brought him up, they treated him like their own child, but still he doesn't like them anymore because he feels that he has been betrayed. He doesn't know who to trust. He's lost. If anyone hides an important fact from you, you don't like them. Sometimes it happens that somebody is offering you a deal and you take it, but they don't tell you what other things you're promising to do without even knowing. They make you sign something. They make you agree on something. They make you pay for it. And later you find out, oh, so this is what it actually is. People get extremely upset about that. So, Hiding knowledge in general is something that is not good. But hiding knowledge of the deen is something that is even more severe. If somebody is to have a math exam and the teacher doesn't tell the student, you're supposed to prepare for this, you're supposed to prepare for that, and the student fails at the end, is it bad? Of course it's very bad. Because a whole year of the student has been wasted. But if a person is not informed about the hereafter, 
about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, about His obligations, then is He going to suffer for eternity? Yes. Has His entire life been wasted? Yes. So concealing the knowledge of the deen is of the major sins. It is a major sin. What else is a major sin? Killing somebody is a major sin. Killing an innocent person is a major sin. What else is a major sin? Shirk is a major sin. What else is a major sin? Stealing is a major sin. What else is a major sin? Give me more examples. Lying. What else? Adultery, fornication. All of these are major sins. Now imagine, concealing knowledge is at the same level. It is as bad as fornication. It is as bad as killing somebody. It is as bad as stealing somebody's property. It's a huge crime. Because on the criminal is the curse of Allah and the curse of who? All those who curse. The curse of the creation of Allah. And the curse of the creation of Allah, it means that the creation of Allah hates such people. The thing is that when Allah has given knowledge to someone, then Allah has given him a very heavy responsibility. A very heavy, a very major responsibility. When a person has been given knowledge, two things are required of him. A, that he acts on that knowledge. He lives by that knowledge. Because if a person knows and he doesn't act on it, then we know about the punishment of such a person. On the day of judgment in the hellfire, a person will be thrown in, he will be punished in the most severest of ways and other people will come to him and say, what happened? You are the one who used to tell us to do good and you're here? And he will say, yeah, I used to tell you, but I never did it myself. So, when a person knows, then two things are required of him. A, that he acts on that knowledge. And B, that he tells other people about that knowledge. This is why we learn in Sahih Bukhari, Imam Bukhari has written an entire kitab, an entire book on knowledge. He has collected a hadith on that topic. And in that, he has mentioned again and again about the importance of spreading knowledge, passing on knowledge. That how a person should teach, instruct, give knowledge even when he's traveling, even you know at hajj, when he's sitting, when he's standing in different situations. Why? Because it is necessary that when a person knows, he conveys. One of the scholars, he said, that it does not behoove a person to whom Allah has given knowledge that he wastes himself. How would he waste himself? That either he doesn't act on it, or he doesn't convey it. He's wasting himself. Because he is calling upon himself the curse of Allah, the punishment of Allah, the hatred of the creation of Allah. So this is a major sin. Okay, if a person knows about something, and he knows he should be doing it, but he's not able to do it in the best way, doesn't mean that he doesn't tell other people at all. We discussed this once earlier as well. The thing is that nobody can claim that he's acting on something in the perfect manner. So for example, if a person is telling another about, let's say, good manners, good character, it's quite possible that he will also end up making a mistake because he's a human being, after all. We do make mistakes. It all depends on the heart, that with which heart a person is saying. Is he just pretending that he's a very righteous person on the inside, he's a criminal? Is it a fake display or is he trying himself and he's also encouraging other people to try? When you tell other people, then it's good for you because when you will make a mistake, they will remind you. Now, we see here that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that مِن بَعْدِ 
ما بيناه للناس في الكتاب after we have explained it we have clarified it in the book what does it mean that everything that is beneficial for people that is necessary for people to know Allah has mentioned it in his book Allah has explained it in his book so anything that is of relevance to us we can find its solution we can find its answer where in the book of Allah All we need to do is open it up, reflect on it, and we will find it. There was a woman who came to one of the companions and she said that, you say that a woman cannot pluck her eyebrows. You say it's in the book of Allah. I've read the book of Allah cover to cover and I don't find anything like that mentioned in the book of Allah. He said, go read it again. She went, read it again. And she came back, I don't find it. You tell me where it is. So he said, that haven't you read in the book of Allah? that whatever the messenger gives to you, then take it. Whatever the messenger tells you, then do it. She said, yeah. He said, exactly. The messenger has told us that we cannot do this. Likewise, there was another person to whom a non-Muslim was asking, oh, you say everything of benefit is in the book, then where is you know such and such mentioned in your book? He said, Allah says in the Qur'an, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Ask the people of knowledge if you don't know. Okay. So every instruction, every guidance, every beneficial thing, you find it in the book of Allah. This is why it's a huge crime if the book of Allah is concealed. Now, does this mean that everything is mentioned in detail? Not necessarily. There's two ways in which Allah has clarified the ayat, the bayinat. First of all, in a mujmal way, And secondly, in the mufassal way. Mujmal, meaning when things are mentioned, when commands are mentioned, in a comprehensive way. In a comprehensive way. Comprehensively they're mentioned. So for example, in the Qur'an, Allah says, Awfu bil'uqud, fulfill your covenants, fulfill your promises. But the details of the promises are not necessarily mentioned. The fiqh part is not mentioned. In the Qur'an, for example, we learn, establish the prayer, but how to pray, are the details mentioned? Not necessarily. So some things are mentioned, how? In a mujmal sense, in a comprehensive, in a very brief way. And other things are mentioned, how? In a mufassal way, in an elaborated way. So for example, we learn in Surah An-Nisa about the various commands regarding laws of inheritance. They are mentioned in detail. And inshallah when we will reach there, you'll be like, wow, all of this is mentioned? Even the fractions, the parts are mentioned. One-fourth and one-third and half and one-eighth. And you'd be like, what, really? Yes, even that's mentioned. So the ayat are bayinat in these two ways, mufassal and mujmal. And the solution is there. Now, this ayah shows to us about the importance of the obligation of spreading knowledge. Because if a person does not do that, he's committing a major sin. Now, does this mean that whatever you know, you start... Telling other people about it. So whatever lesson you learned today, go home and start giving the lesson. Lecturing people, taking out your notes and reading everything. I have to convey, I have to pass it on. People don't want to listen, but you pass it on. Is that the way? There are two ways in which knowledge is concealed. Rather, there are two ways in which people want to learn. It is incumbent on you that you give the knowledge that you have. That first of all, when somebody asks you about something, verbally, through their tongue, So for example, somebody comes and asks you, what's the singular form of this word? 
where is this verse in the Qur'an? What is the root of such and such word? What does Allah say concerning hijab? What does Allah say concerning such and such? And you know the answer. Then what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? Give the answer. You're supposed to give the answer. Because in a hadith we learn that if somebody is asked about knowledge and he conceals it, then أُلْجِمَ يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ بِلِجَامِ مِنْ نَارِ He will be tethered on the day of judgment with the tether of fire. You know like a horse, it has a rope around its mouth. It's going from the mouth tied around his head. Imagine on the day of judgment, such a person will be tethered with a rope of fire. Who is asked, but he does not give the answer. But suppose you don't know, then what are you supposed to do? Make it up? Then what do you do? If you can find out, find out. If you cannot find out, tell them, I'm sorry, I don't know. Another situation, the second situation in which you are supposed to give knowledge, you are supposed to tell people about what you know, is when you see them in need of knowledge. When you see that they need to know. Then you can't turn away from them saying, oh, they never asked me, so why should I tell them? For instance, if you see a child, and a child is eating with the left hand, And you know that the Prophet ﷺ very clearly instructed that don't eat with your left hand, instead eat with the right hand. So at that time, what should you do? Say that, oh, the child never asked me? Of course he's not going to ask you because he doesn't know. So what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? Tell him at that point. Likewise it happens that we see people, they're doing something wrong, and because Allah has given us some knowledge, we start judging them, we say, oh, they're doing this wrong, they don't even know about this, they don't even know about that. Instead of talking about people behind their backs, what should we do? What should we do? When we see them doing something wrong, then tell them. Now, it doesn't mean that every person we see doing something wrong, we start telling them, oh, sister, by the way, you should do this instead. Brother, by the way, you should do this instead. No. You have to use wisdom. You have to see what situation the other person is in, what they're ready to take. Many times it happens that, you know, you see a complete stranger and they ask you a random question about your hijab or about whatever you're doing, about your prayers or whatever. So at that time, what should we do? Give them the answer. Explain to them. Refer them to something from where they can learn, from where they can find out. إِلَّا الَّذِينَ تَابُوا وَأَصْلَحُوا وَبَيَّنُوا إِلَّا الَّذِينَ تَابُوا Except for those people who repented, وَأَصْلَحُوا And they reformed, وَبَيَّنُوا And they clarified. In the previous verse we learned that those who conceal the knowledge, then Allah curses them, and those who curse also curse them. But if a person, let's say he made a mistake in the past, he didn't tell others about what he knew, even though he saw that they needed to learn. Or even though the people asked him about something, yet he did not respond to them, he did not give them the answer. He made a mistake in the past. There is no hope for him. There is hope for him. And what is that? Tawbah, repentance. There is an exception. إِلَّا الَّذِينَ تَابُوا Except for those people who repented. And tabu from tawbah, tawaba. What does tawbah mean? Rujur, to return, to go back. So a person was in the state of sinfulness, he goes back to the state of obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, إِلَّا الَّذِينَ تَابُوا They repent from what? They repent from concealing knowledge to telling other people. 
وَأَصْلَحُوا And they also reformed, meaning they fix, they do islah, صَادْ لَمْحَا What do they fix? Their deeds, their actions. Before their actions were different. Of disobedience, of concealing knowledge, not acting on that knowledge. And now they change their ways. The thing is that, as human beings, we do make mistakes. Even though we know about many things. But still, there are times when we go against the knowledge that we know. Who knows that we should control our anger? Do you know about that? Yes. But does it mean you've never been angry? You've never shown anger? Of course, there are many times we've done that. Isn't it so? So it happens. We make mistakes. But what's the solution? That, do tawbah. When you realize, repent. And do islah. Change your ways. وَأَصْلَحُوا وَبَيَّنُوا And they clarified. They clarified what? What they had concealed previously. The knowledge they hid previously, now they explain it. They make it known. Allah says, فَأُولَٰئِكَ Then for such people, أَتُوبُ عَلَيْهِمْ I turn to them in mercy. Allah also turns to them in mercy. And remember, tawbah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala means two things. First of all, that He gives tawfiq to a person to repent. And secondly, that He accepts His repentance. So such people, Allah accepts their repentance. He turns them in mercy, meaning He forgives them. وَأَنَا التَّوَّابُ الرَّحِيمُ And I am التَّوَّابُ الرَّحِيمُ Who is التَّوَّابُ? The one who accepts repentance, the greatest acceptor of repentance. And how is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala التَّوَّابُ? Now you should really know the answer, since you've answered this in your previous assignment. So what is التَّوَّابُ? Who is التَّوَّابُ? The one who accepts repentance? Repeatedly, again and again and again. A person sins, he does tawbah, Allah accepts. He sins again, he does tawbah, Allah accepts again. Again and again, repeatedly. Then he is a tawab in another way. That he accepts tawbah from not just you, but from you and you and you and every single one of us here and so many other people. Allah accepts tawbah from every servant. Any servant who repents to him in the proper way, Allah will accept his repentance. And then he is a tawab in another way. The third way, that he accepts repentance from different, different types of sins even. Even if a person has committed a major sin, even if a person has committed a hundred murders, remember that hadith? in which a person killed a hundred people, he killed ninety-nine and he ended up killing another, made it one hundred, Allah accepted his repentance as well. So, وَأَنَا tawab, And I am the greatest acceptor of repentance, Ar-Rahim, the one who is merciful. Who is Ar-Rahim? The one who shows mercy. The one who is merciful to others. Why do you think At-Tawab and Ar-Rahim come together over here? What's the relationship between the two? Forgiveness comes from mercy. And also if you think about it, when a person repents, when a person does tawbah, does he need to change his ways? Does he? Yes. So who will allow him to do that? The one who is merciful. So now we will listen to the recitation. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَكْتُمُونَ مَا أَنزَلْنَا مِنَ الْبَيِّنَاتِ وَالْهُدَى مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا بَيَّنَّا 
Repentance is not just about saying, I'm sorry. Tawbah is not just about realizing that you've done something wrong. It's not just about feeling guilty. But it's about turning, changing your ways, seeking forgiveness from Allah. Because notice over here, it's not just إِلَّا الَّذِينَ تَابُوا But also, وَأَصْلَحُوا وَبَيَّنُوا Some sins, some crimes are such that we have to make up for the damage that we caused. We have to make up for the damage that we caused. Because some sins are against Allah and some sins are against people. When you turn back to Allah seeking His forgiveness, He will forgive you. But when you turn back to Allah for the crimes that you committed against people, then for that you also need the forgiveness of people. So for instance, if a person was mean towards someone, now he has to be good with them. If a person hid something from someone, now he has to give it back to them. So when a person has concealed knowledge, then what does he have to do? He has to tell others about it as well. Abu Hurairah he said that if it was not for these verses in the Qur'an, he would not have narrated any hadith. He narrated the ahadith. Why? He narrated the ahadith of the Prophet ﷺ that he knew about. Why? Because of these verses. Because when a person does not spread the knowledge that he has, then he is committing a huge crime. And it's such a crime that requires tawbah from a person. Repentance from a person. Now, these two verses were about those people who conceal knowledge. The next verse is about those people who reject the right knowledge, the truth, the haqq. Both are huge crimes. And for both, tawbah is required. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا Indeed, those people who disbelieve. Kafaru is from kafara, kafara. And kafara is to conceal something. From the same root is kufran, kufranun ni'ma, which is ingratitude for blessings. We have learned earlier, وَلَا تَكْفُرُونَ And do not be ungrateful to me. Why is ingratitude called kufr? Because when a person is ungrateful, what is he doing? He is hiding the blessing that has been given to him. He is hiding, concealing the favor that was done to him. So there are some people who conceal knowledge, and there are others who conceal the many blessings of Allah on them, and they reject Allah. They refuse to believe in Him. They refuse to obey Him. So, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا And remember that there are mainly two types of kufr. One type of kufr is that which is of takdeeb, meaning denial, rejection. And the other is of istikbar, of arrogance. What's the difference? The first is that a person finds out about something, but he says, I don't believe in it. I don't accept it. For example, a person is told about his creator, Allah. 
He says, I don't believe in God. This is what? This is what? Takdeeb. A person is told about Muhammad wasallam. He says, I don't believe in him. I don't believe that he's a messenger. A person is told about the angels. I don't believe there are any angels. I don't believe there's going to be a day of judgment. This is what? Takdeeb. Rejection. Denial. And the second is istikbar. That a person knows, but yet he refuses. Like what shaitan did, what iblis did. Did he not know who Allah is? Of course. Did he not know about what he was supposed to do? Of course. But yet he refused to prostrate to Adam at the command of Allah. So remember there are two types of kufr. Takdeeb and istikbar. So those who disbelieve, no matter what kind of kufr it is, whether they know or they don't know, whether they accept or they don't accept. وَمَاتُوا And they die. Meme wauta Mawt. They die wahum kuffar while they're still disbelievers. Kuffar is a plural of kafir. One who disbelieves. So they die in the state of kufr. Meaning they don't repent before they die. They died as disbelievers. They don't acknowledge the right of Allah. They don't worship their Lord. They don't give Him His right. They die in that very state. Allah says, أُولَٰئِكَ alayhim." Those people, on them is la'natullah, the curse of Allah. Such people are far from the mercy of Allah. Wal-malaikah and the angels, meaning the angels also curse such people. Wal-nasi ajma'een and all of mankind. Ajma'een, plural of ajma'. Jimim ain. Jamr is a collection of something. When many, many things are there. Jamr is also used for plural in Arabic. So ajma'een all together without any exception. So, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا وَمَاتُوا وَهُمْ كُفَّارُ أُولَٰئِكَ عَلَيْهِمْ لَعْنَةُ اللَّهِ وَالْمَلَائِكَةِ وَالنَّاسِ أَجْمَعِينَ Now, this says over here that all people curse them. Is it so? Is it so? Did you ever curse such a person? Aren't you included in all people? Are you? Yes. Did you curse? No, probably not. Did you? No, probably not. So why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say وَالنَّاسِ أَجْمَعِينَ That it is as though the curse of all people is on them. This is how far they are from the mercy of Allah. This is how far they are from the mercy of Allah. And you know what? On the Day of Judgment, yes, the curse of everyone will be on such people. All mankind... All people will actually curse such people on the Day of Judgment. Who? Those who disbelieve in Allah. Those who die as disbelievers. Even they themselves will curse them. We know that on the Day of Judgment, what's going to happen? As people will be thrown into hellfire, the leaders and the followers, the friends are going to curse one another. It's because of you that we're here. No, it's because of you that we're here. People in hellfire are going to request Allah, Oh Allah, Punish our leaders, double punishment. Those who led us astray, give them double punishment. So yes, when nasi ajma'een, quite literally the curse of all people is on them. So we see that in these verses, two types of people are being mentioned. The first type is of those who conceal knowledge, who conceal the truth. And the second type is of those who reject the truth who don't accept it and who die in that state. And both of them are committing huge crimes that deserve the curse of Allah. 
So if a person hides knowledge, it is as though he is committing kufr in a way. I'm not saying that hiding knowledge is kufr, but I'm saying that it's of the same gravity because both of these crimes bring about the curse of Allah. So, أُولَٰئِكَ عَلَيْهِمْ لَعْنَةُ اللَّهُ وَالْمَلَٰئِكَةُ وَالنَّاسِ أَجْمَعِينَ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا Abiding therein eternally. خَالِدِينَ plural of خَالِد خَالَامْ دَالْ خُلُود Eternity. They'll be abiding in it eternally. In what? In that curse. They will never ever come out of the curse of Allah. Meaning they will forever be far away from the mercy of Allah. And where is that place? Where is that place? Hellfire. You see, in this world, even if a person commits a huge crime, the most terrible crime, can he breathe? Yeah. Can he drink water? Yes. Can he go in the shade? Yes. Can he sleep? Yes. Can he have fun? Of course. There are people who are the greatest criminals in this world, but they're living a very lavish, a very enjoyable life until they get caught and they're punished for their crimes. And even when they are punished, still they can enjoy life to some extent. But in hellfire, there is not even a little bit of the mercy of Allah. Because there is no relief for even a second, for even a moment. There is no shade, no coolness for the people of hellfire. There is no cold water, even a drop of water for the people of hellfire. No second of relief, no second of sleep, of relaxation for the people of hellfire. So the hellfire is a place which is far from the mercy of Allah. The mercy of Allah does not come in the hellfire. It is far from the people of hellfire. This is why Allah says, خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا لَا يُخَفَّفُ عَنْهُمُ الْعَذَابِ The punishment will not be reduced for them. يُخَفَّفُ خَافَفَ تَخْفِيف تَخْفِيف To lighten. The punishment will never be lightened. It will never be reduced. وَلَهُمْ يُنظَرُونَ And nor will they be given any respite. يُنظَرُونَ نُنظَرَ نَظَرَ is to look, but نَظَرَ also means to give time to somebody, to give a break to somebody, to give respite to them, to delay something for them. So in the hellfire, literally, Allah will not even look at such people. He will not even look at such people. We know that Allah is رَؤُوف. He is one who is very compassionate. He is Rahim, very merciful. That even when a criminal is desperate, he is needy, Allah gives him relief. Think about it. There were people who opposed the Prophet ﷺ and they enjoyed life. Who allowed them to do so? Allah. But when a person is in hellfire, there is absolutely no mercy. When people call upon Allah in this world, when they're very guilty, they call upon Allah, does Allah listen to them? Does Allah listen to them? Yes. The more sincerely a person begs before Allah, the more Allah will listen to his dua and he will respond. Because we know about so many criminals who committed the greatest of crimes, but when they turned to Allah in repentance, Allah accepted their repentance. But in the hereafter... In the hellfire, if a person begs for Allah's forgiveness for even a hundred and fifty years consecutively, will it be accepted? No. Because Allah will say, don't even speak to me. Don't even speak to me. لا تكلمون 
Don't even talk to me. Don't even address me. So لا يخفف عنهم العذاب ولا هم ينظرون. Allah will not even look at them. And Allah will not even give them respite, meaning no break for them from the punishment. Not even for a moment. What do we learn in these two verses? We learn about the severity of what? Kufr. That how it is such a great crime. Disbelief and dying on disbelief is not something that is small. Is not something that we should take lightly. In our religion, in Islam, we are to be compassionate towards all people. We are to be concerned for all people, for all of mankind. We are to have well-wishing for all of mankind. And the greatest well-wishing that you could have for someone is what? To save them from the fire of hell. To save them from the punishment of Allah. So we should not just be concerned about ourselves, but we should be concerned about those people who don't know Allah. Those people who don't pray. Those people who don't know about the hereafter. Who are not preparing for their home of the hereafter. Do we feel pity for people who are hungry? Yes. Do we feel pity for people who are suffering? Yes. We feel pity for orphans? We feel pity for people who are in poverty? Yes. Then we should have even more pity for people who will be poor on the Day of Judgment. Who will be empty-handed on the Day of Judgment. Who will be thirsty, bare, having nothing with them on the Day of Judgment. Because on that day, if a person does not have iman, then nothing at all can benefit him. Because look at the verses. Those who disbelieve and they die on disbelief, on them is a curse of Allah. Allah will not forgive them then. A person might say, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is supposed to be very merciful. How can you ever imagine that such a punishment could exist when there's a Lord who is so merciful? You know what? Allah is very, very merciful. This is why Allah created us. This is why He sent guidance to us. This is why He sent so many proofs. This is why He gives us chances again and again. We make mistakes, yet He gives us respite. But there is a time limit. A time will come when eventually we will be answerable for our actions, for our crimes. Until then, do whatever you want. But after that, you have no choice. You have no more chances left. So Allah is very merciful and we should take advantage of that mercy. Because if we don't, then we are going to suffer. Because there are many people who object, you know, at such verses, that how could such punishment exist? How could Allah punish? He can. When Allah can forgive, when Allah can accept repentance, then He will also punish. And this is actually the justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Think about it. One person is very righteous, very obedient, and another is not. How can both of them be in the same place? Is it fair? No. Has it ever happened with you that you work in a group on a school project, and you put in your best effort, and there's another person who barely shows up for the project, for anything, and then at the end, everybody gets the same mark? How do you feel? How do you feel? This is not fair. This is injustice. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who is most just. So those who do good, He will reward them abundantly. And those who do bad, He will punish them severely. 
If you think about it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives chances to people, even the greatest of criminals, until when? Until they die. وَمَاتُوا وَهُمْ And then after that comes the punishment of Allah. What do we do? If we see somebody doing something wrong, we start hating them. We don't forgive them. We don't care for them. We don't want any good for them. The thing is that we should care for people even when they're doing something wrong. The Prophet ﷺ said, Unsur akhaka zaliman aw mazlum. Help your brother, whether he is the one who is unjust or the one who is being oppressed. The one who is the oppressor and also the one who is being oppressed. The people asked, how are we supposed to help the person who is the oppressor? By stopping him from his oppression. By stopping him from his wrongdoing. So when you see somebody doing wrong, feel pity for them. Be concerned for them. Because if they die in that state, then there is no turning back. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika, nashadu an la ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayka. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.